Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two. It's been a busy week, Utah and nationally. A lot of different things happening in the state of Utah that have to do with our LGBT community. We also want to get to some national politics, talk about three months in, how our newest elected officials, Mitt Romney, Ben McAdams, doing, and also a little checkup before the doctors anyways to see how the homeless issue in Salt Lake City is. Yes. So let's get started. Uh, first off, uh, this was a big deal. The governor signing hate crimes legislation that really has been on the docket, it seems to me, like for years and years and years. Why... Is it passing now, Jim? I don't know, but it's time, and it was great to see everybody get together and do what ought to be happening. I think the thing that precipitated it, actually, was this terrible beating of a Mexican, man of Mexican heritage, and his son, and these terrible pictures, and as the man, uh, the, the, and the, tire uh, the assault, yeah, was going after him, he was screaming Mexican bad names, and the county attorney said, under our statute, even then, when the man is saying expletives about his ethnic origins, mm -hmm. even then we can't right. pr prosecute it as a hate crime. And everybody said, you know, this doesn't work. And so good on you, state of Utah. Good mark. Way to go. Why do you think? Was it a story like that? Is it because the governor's not running again and sometimes feels more freedom <laughs> to do things that weren't as popular? Well, that's or why more juicy. That would be an awesome reason why. <laughs> uh, a little political courage on the way out the door. But I, well, no, I think what Jim said is correct. But I think it's a culmination of different events, different even Supreme Court rulings that have happened over the years where our society is changing and, and some of these social mores are changing in front of our eyes. There was a time, and when we debated hate crimes in years past in the legislature, where you had faith-based adoptions. Yeah. And some of those hate crime, some of that language, would suggest protected classes, which could have had the effect of ending uh, Catholic adoption services that were very robust, or uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints' families, uh, their, their family centers that were trying to, to, to uh, match unwanted children with families. But in recent U.S. Supreme Court cases, uh, where Defensive Marriage Act was struck down, uh, these faiths no longer engage in the adoption world. They don't do that any longer. And so some of the fears of what those potential protected classes would mean or what their consequences mm -hmm. would be, they're not there anymore. And what we all want to do is treat people in a humane and uh, good way. And so I think that uh, as Sim Gill de described the hate crimes legislation that was being in front of the legislature this year to me, I thought it was a very sensible approach. It was one that I found that I personally, if I had been there, could support, and uh, and so it was. It's it's a good. It was a good bill, and I think it reflects the times we live in, where we're trying to, you know, be good to one another. The golden rule still applies. You know, it yeah. really does. Well, even in Utah County. <laughs> even in Utah County. <laughs> Speaking of times changing, uh, this week, just yesterday, the LDS Church announcing that they were backtracking on. Um, 
some policy the church made about three and a half years ago, the November 2015 policy that made it so that parents, gay parents, could not baptize or bless their children. I think it came to a surprise to a lot of people. Were you surprised to see this come out yesterday, Greg? Yeah, and I want to throw this this concept out for Jim's consideration, for yours, for okay. our listeners, for our viewers. Um, when this announcement came out a number of years ago, to me, as just observing, uh, I lived in a part of the, I lived back in the east when I was growing yeah. up where not a lot of people were uh, Mormons or LDS, and so I, I felt what it was to be a religious minority. Um, certainly in the LGBT community where we had married couples, same-sex couples, and they had children, uh, what is the appropriate overtures? Or how do you not ostracize people or children in your community, welcome them into maybe church activities, but not do it in a way that would be offensive to the household? And I had taken the, the announcement by the church back in 15 as maybe an attempt to give space or be respectful of uh, what the household makeup is if it wasn't consistent with the, with the, the doctrine of, of the church. Uh, but it was a it was received very harshly, and it was seen uh, in a very negative way. And so when this announcement came that uh, children of same-sex couples or marriages can in fact be baptized, I think the common thread in all that, Heidi and Jim, is that I believe that our church has always wanted to be respectful of families, always wanted to be uh, there for children and do it in a respectful and embracing way. And I think that as we talked in the last topic. We're changing times. I think that if the LGBT community uh, sees this as a positive and they don't think it's a church trying to maybe uh, intervene or be involved in their household makeup and they welcome this, then I think it is the right move. And it's one I think that would be consistent with what I thought the decision was back in 15. I think we're all trying to get this right. And sometimes takes a while. Uh, Jim, is it too little too late? I look back to three and a half years ago. And I think it was actually about two years ago. I did an interview with Tyler Glenn. A lot of people know him of the Neon Trees, lives here in Salt Lake City. Uh, he said that this was a faith crisis for him when I spoke to him about this for a story that when the 2015 policy came out, that he started questioning everything. He was going to his own nieces and nephews' baptisms and thinking, I can never have this for myself. And it led to him um, writing a new album where he talked about losing his religion and finally came out as gay. And a lot of people say that it really rocked their boat that maybe suicides were due to this. Did the church mess up, or is it like Greg's saying, that sometimes you just have to adjust and adjust till you get to the right point? So I read through the change. And okay. I, and I, ironically, I'd had a wonderful breakfast with some church people that morning, and they are so... They are so meticulous about it. they they make Mueller look like a blabbermouth. I mean, you know, and so we've been talking about the very thing, but you know, nothing. You nothing brought went. up Mueller in this this, this topic, so it, nobody it leaked you the information. Exactly. Okay. So even though it was going to come in a, in a few hours, but <laughs> I, I mean, I read it and I posted something on Facebook that said, "Congratulations, President Nelson." I mean, I. I I think this took some courage and some forethought. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, and to now yeah. change it. And I, I guess I didn't realize the full depth of the hurt because, man, my my folks were jumping all over me. Um, and I, I think it can best be encapsulated maybe a month after the policy. Somebody knocked on my door, and it was a uh, a lesbian woman and a boy about 14 or 15 years old and she had him by the hand and and she was furious she knocked on the door and she said look 
This is Wilbert, her son. I live in Salt Lake, and his dad lives in the avenues, and he lives down there most of the time, but I get him on weekends. And now, he cannot be ordained a priest. All of his friends are. His whole life revolves around that, and because of me, the church won't allow him to be ordained and to keep up with his friends. What is supposed to happen to him? Yeah. I want you, Senator, to make a law. This is wrong. Yeah. This is, and the poor kid is, is just embarrassed beyond words. And I said, do you want to come in? And she said, no, I don't want to come in. I want to know when you're going to change that. How can you do this? I love stories where people are yelling at Jim. It I know, so right? It's a beautiful story, Jim. I love this. But this, this affected so many families and so many ripples In beyond ways, yeah. where, where people went, you know, that's, that's not right. This doesn't feel good. And it's good. It took them a while, but clearly they saw what was happening all around the church, I think, and, and they changed it. And what more can you ask of people, you know, when yep. things aren't going well? Yep. Make them better. Yeah. Okay. One last LGBTQ issue of the day. We're now hearing that the conversion therapy bill that was big, we saw, uh, I mean, we saw billboards all along I-15 while the session was going on. The session ends. Nobody touches it. And now we're hearing that possibly there could be a special session where they bring that back and try to get rid of conversion therapy. All right, Jim, I'll let you have the first okay, word Okay, I'll one. be really brief because we've been too gay in this show, clearly, <laughs> so far. Um, I just want to say this needs to be changed. This leads directly to suicides because it gets kids with therapists that are saying, you can change. Honestly, it's your attitude. And, and, and there's people are saying it with the parents as well. And it puts tremendous pressure on kids that can't take that kind of a pressure. This is evil and toxic. And if the governor wants to call a special session, amen. The legislature had it right. And then some weird people, oh, not weird, but some fringe people came in and changed their mind. So I say bring it on. So, Greg, is this actually going to happen? Special sessions are usually for fairly large items they didn't have time for. And you were telling me earlier they had time and somehow they ignored it. There, I, I hate to say it, but I think there's a lot of feigned sympathy going on here. There's a lot of lip service to wanting to get this right, but I see a complete lack of action. That bill made it out of committee, albeit in a form that was unacceptable. But it sat on that board with two and a half weeks left of a six and a half week session where if there was the political will yeah. to So to where was the it? governor? Where were the lieutenant yes. governor? So where were all these advocates? And Jim, that's my point is that you had they a bill could have pulled it off. That at any point, whatever is being spoken of right now in terms of political will to have a special session, it would have been it would have been easier to exp to spend that political capital in the session while that bill was on the board and it didn't happen. People were, were, were reciting the obituary of that bill while there was plenty of time to do something. So my question is, because I don't want to see people's heartstrings pulled or people to say, oh, we really want to do this. And, but if there's the true will, why didn't it happen before? And what's changed between the end of the session, which wasn't that long ago, till now where they're talking about a special session? I just think that I, I worry that it's a little bit more political than substantive. I hope there is something done there. But there was ample time to do it during the session, and I heard crickets. There are a lot of members of the legislature who are members of the LDS Church, and maybe they feel freed somehow with this latest 
policy change. Maybe, I hope they, they feel do like it. They could do it. I don't know. We'll watch and see. Governor Herbert, speaking of him, did not veto the energy solutions bill. And Jim is like sighing and shaking his head. All right. Tell us uh, what this money is, where it's going, right. what's happening. Last year, we gave Energy Solutions a check for $1.6 million forever and ever and ever and ever just because we figured blah, blah, blah. This year. <laughs> That's not a real argument. They <laughs> have, <laughs> it's his go-to argument, Heidi. Just say, let him go. They Don't have roll. the best lobbyists in history. This year, they want to bring in depleted uranium. Uh, a bad, bad, bad idea that the state has fought for many, many, many years. And it went, you know, there was very little debate. There it was. They all voted. I'm just saying this. If you've got to bring this in, it shouldn't be here. But if you've got to bring it in, tax the hell out of it. Make that the most taxed thing in the history of the world because we're taking all the depleted uranium from everywhere in America. We're storing it in our place for the next million years. Stop treating energy solutions as if it's Adobe and bringing these wonderful jobs and everything. Tax them, tax them, tax them, tax them, tax them. There's a very, very profitable private company. And why should Utahns get all of these potential hazardous issues for eons of time? And the state backs off when it comes to getting the kind of proper tax. And... Never forget who is the biggest contributor to so many Republican political and Democrats, let's be honest. They give their money to anyone they who take it. They give their money. They are the biggest dollars out of cash. Give me a break. All right, so do you agree with the governor on this one? Was he right to not veto? Sure. He, that, that bill should be, be passed in a law. Look, if you can't accept a contribution and a vote against them, you shouldn't be in the business. Okay. I mean, that's, there's, those, those contributions uh, should not and do not have, uh, impact policymaking decisions. And that's a, <laughs> no, I'm telling you, that, I love this. This is a saying. This is from uh, a, a, a former speaker back in D.C. If you can't take their money... And drink their whiskey and vote against them. You're in the wrong business. It's and a I'm little spicier you, than that. I left Greg. out the whiskey. So in you've never taken part. money from anyone but here's, here. But here's my point here. Me? Yeah. I He's rich. He doesn't need anybody's I money. I turn back tens of thousands of dollars. I've never taken a dime from a lobbyist or a corporation or special interest. I just turn it back. This is awesome. And if you're rich, that works for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, not self-funded. I'm just saying, someone like me who ran, no, I, I, I would have to take some dollars from somebody. In the Senate campaign, I wasn't self-funded. I had more donors than anybody in the Senate history. So I say well, to, to Utah legislators. Okay. I think he's making that part up. As long as yeah. you have a big mouth in Facebook these days, I feel like you probably don't need donations. You can be your own best advertising, right? I'm saying legislators, look up. If you say I'm not taking all this corporate crap money, People will support you. I love so, that. But let, okay. me, let me get to the policy of it, though. There is a tax, and I think Jim's point is it needs to be a much higher tax than what this tax okay. came. Depleted uranium sounds terrifying. It does. Uh, we do not. There's different types of waste. There's Class A, there's Class B, and C. This is actually Class A, which we're allowed to take in, in, in these facilities right now. In 10,000 years, it is said, in 10,000 years, it would heat to a Class B or C waste. In 10,000 years. So it's a Class A waste right now. The, the issue I have with people, not Jim per se, but people <laughs> that I've heard that are very concerned about our environment, yeah. people that are worried about climate change, people that think that our carbon use, even in the state of Utah, when we know that places as far away as India and China, 
are going to burn carbon more than we ever would. If we stop completely, there yeah. will still be this challenge. Many people think it's important upon us to lead by example or to be good stewards, even in our little world. Well, if we all make this waste, and when I, you know, class A waste could be the little glowing light in your, in your fire detector, your smoke detector in your home. And it's got to go somewhere. Yeah, that's actually too hot to store. But if we all make this waste, isn't it the most environmentally responsible thing to do to store it in a place like the West Desert in Utah where there is no water table versus if we all as a country make this kind of waste and we were to attempt to store it somewhere where the water table is just five feet under your under the ground. If we're going to be good environmental stewards and we make this waste, I don't see the disconnect, but I, I see I hear it. But I do not know how that is not seen as being environmentally responsible in the safe storage of waste that we make as it would be that we would want to be sensitive about carbon and how we burn it and, and climate change. I, I think it's the environment. I think it's all the same effort in terms of trying to do things in a responsible way. So Utah doesn't have a, 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 a water table out there. It ought to be a place that we we make sure the environment's safe and we store it there. It comes in here on trains, I'm assuming. Do we have to be worried when we saw what happened in Jueb County this week where they literally had to explode or blow up an entire train because it was unsafe? You know, what if we had to blow something like that up in Salt Lake County, it, Davis County? I think County? that one of the reasons why it's a, a company that does well is I think there, there, it is very cost prohibitive in terms of transport. I think there's a lot of uh, accidents will happen. You can't uh, avoid them entirely. But... The cost of transporting these things to be able to store them safely is part of the cost of, of, of that that industry. But I think it's one you have to be you have to be committed to. If you just if you create it and just dump it wherever it's been made, I think that would be an environmental detriment. So why and I not? Think it would be a bad and thing. And I know we got other things. Yeah. But Greg, let's take your argument, which is nukes don't pollute as much as far as the air is concerned. Therefore. Somebody has to take this stuff apart. We're going to be the armpit. Why give them a free ride? Why not say, we're going to make the sacrifice for the rest of America? Tax, tax, tax. They're not tax-free. There are taxes that they pay, but, but, but some of our friends are left of the aisle. It's never enough tax. There's always more taxes you could pay. So I think, uh, But I think the premise is correct. I do think that the economy of Utah, but also its tax generation, just like in severance tax for natural resources, it needs to come into the state because it does help uh, with the state's budget. All right, moving on to a new topic. Uh, Greg, I'll let you start on this one because I know this is your baby. But there was a press conference this week talking about how crime is down in and around the Gateway Mall in Salt Lake City. Uh, celebrations that maybe Rio Grande has been cleaned up. This has been a big effort. A lot of people have been involved here. Is there a reason to celebrate or did we clean up one area and push the problem to others? Great question. It is time to celebrate. We don't do this enough as policymakers, as, as members of the community. We seldom take inventory of the great uh, strides and progress we've made. We're on to the next challenge. We're on to the next mm -hmm. issue. Uh, this was a moment where the data shared by the Gateway, it's a, it's a company, a company purchased the gateway in a in a, a state where it was blighted. It was losing uh, tenants. Things were going the wrong direction. In the summer of seventeen, there were homicides. There were there was violence. There was an open air drug market. There were two competing cartels, one from Honduras and one from Mexico, fighting literally on the streets for market share. This was carnage that I don't even think that most of Utah, its residents, understood uh, the severity and and how dangerous that was. You had a company that had bought, had purchased Gateway that mm -hmm. is a national company that goes into blighted areas and turns it around. 
in the summer of 17, there was a serious decision that they needed to make of whether to just, if you're in a hole, quit digging and just abandon or hang on. And I was part of conversations asking them to please hang on. They made a, a storefront available that I could sit in as a speaker, get mm -hmm. outside my lane, sit there and bring people on different, even different issues, but have to be in that area and see the drug trafficking occur, see the violence, see what was going on. It is one of the most comprehensive efforts since the Winter Olympics. And the Winter Olympics were a lot more, uh, that was something to celebrate and, and rally around. But this, this crisis that was happening, you had federal, state, counties, more than just Salt Lake County, cities, but Salt Lake City, uh, Gateway, private providers, the Catholic Community Center, you had the Road Home, uh, the 4th Street Clinic, Volunteers of America. We all rallied. We didn't have a script. We did it by Braille, but everybody came together. I think if you go to that area now or you go even around Utah now, you'll see it better. What Did some people scatter? There is some of that. We have budgeted for a time that we work with local jurisdictions yeah. to make sure that we handle it. It's not been person for person in terms of that dispersion. Uh, so we know, and some people that were encamped along the uh, Jordan River, too afraid to come into the area for services or help because of the drugs and the being preyed upon, are coming back in. And the as you saw that streetscape change drastically and you saw it, it, it get cleaned up, the meals served, the services rendered did not go down. Uh, they were able to continue through, and there, I think that people are uh, being helped in a meaningful way right now, and we're seeing the trajectory of people's lives change dramatically. That's all good. Does that mean it's all done and finished and the game's over? Absolutely not. There's much work to be done. But we need to take moments like this as a community and really celebrate and say, hey, we all collectively, we did something here. Jim's something sitting good. on his hands. Um, oh. Are you ready to celebrate with him and high-five? or Look, no? I, I mean, I think Greg is right. Um, we don't know where this is going. We're what maybe a third of the way through. We haven't even opened the big new facility. The centers, we have, yeah. We have new centers being opened. Um, They're not open yet. And there's no question that there's been some of the somebody calls it Operation Leaf Blower rather than Rio Grande. So, but look, I applaud Utah. I applaud Greg as the speaker who was the catalyst behind this and and bringing everybody together. I applaud. Um, Mrs. Miller for coming in with 10 million bucks. I applaud our business community. I, I, we all sat down and everybody committed resources. The governor came up with the highway patrol and the legislature went along. I mean, I don't know whether it's going to work, but holy smokes, it's so much better than so many places that just thrown up their hands and said, okay, we got a shot at this. Um, I think we need to keep checking things along the way. Uh, what I'm worried about is the intermediate and the long term. Does the legislators and governors and public officials were, were easily distracted and the next big crisis is coming along, do we have enough follow through? I'm worried that the highway patrol is going to be moving in January and what's going to happen to the Rio Grande if, if, if they all go? Certainly yeah. the police in Salt Lake can't do it. This is a statewide problem. So you're right, Greg. We're there. We're going at it. Not everything is solved. Issues, other are coming. But that's what happens when you start problem solving yeah. problems. It isn't as though they all go away. You learn and you try this and you go the next way. Thank goodness we have a community where we can all get together 
even with people that are so wrong on so many issues <laughs> like you, Greg. I mean, there occasionally that was. You know, I was just about to say how right you were about a couple things. Now I got it's going to yes, be hard. Dad. How did it happen? Now, I've heard that you you were kind of you were on a tour and you you almost were costed or stabbed or is that no? A true it wasn't story? me. I watched. I watched. A, was it you trying to stab him too? No, it might have been. I saw an incredibly violent crime uh, occur. Uh, one that I that not many people have probably seen happen. And where the person fell and was bleeding in a way I had not seen before. You were just uh, on a tour there. I was there, and it, I had not been there long. And uh, when I say not long, I hadn't been there five minutes. And I, occur I witnessed with the people I was touring with f three different serious crimes that had occurred. But this last one, and its violence, where the person fell was at the feet of a, of a uh, stroller with a child, with a baby. Mm. And I think that's the part that was the most... Uh, it was. I think that was my tipping point yeah. as, uh, myself. And that's where... Uh, it was, I just don't think our, I don't think this good state or the people here understood how scary and how horrific some of these things were. Jim's point about where do we go from here, the midterm and long term, it is not spelled out. Yeah. It is not written. It is an unknown. And it is one that if we lose that momentum, hats off to the Department of Public Safety and the Highway Patrol. They have the word highway on their patch. They became urban police officers on the fly. It's part of their... Uh, they're they're uh, training now in yeah. their in their in their police uh, their academy. But we can't. This is just Citizen Hughes talking now. We can't lose their leadership in this space. There is so much in terms of community outreach. The yeah. people they've met, the people they've helped. This has not been an arrest your way out of it uh, climate. This has truly been a community outreach. And they with Salt Lake PD with other law enforcement agencies, but Highway Patrol have done so much and in such a positive way and it yeah. is not it is not certain that they have a role beyond the two-year operation rio grand plan and i'm telling you that's something we got to uh, keep our eye on I met, I met with yeah. uh, i met with the salt lake police department some officers uh, recently and the and i said you know how did it how did it go you don't mix these kind of things you know there's a potential for turf and there is a lot of issues and they said you know at the beginning there were some issues and this Salt Lake City police officer said you know what I respect them they came in they didn't know a lot about these issues they're professional I give my uh, I give a salute to the highway patrol please let we we can't abandon this we need to continue to work together yeah we got to keep an eye on that um, that's unique too you seldom hear those agencies talk that they want to work together. Brown pants and blue pants working yeah. together. Yeah, it's, it was a good lot of stuff. turf. It was needed, yeah. I'd seen some scary stuff down there, too. I was doing a live shot there once, and I was looking at my cameraman, and behind his back, somebody broke a glass bottle and was literally trying to cut somebody up and was bleeding all over the place. And it's like, what do you do? Do you go help him? Do you not? Because you don't know if they need mental health care issues or call 911. When I bought it's drugs, scary. I did not go there. You did not? Okay. <laughs> Those gummies weren't, they were. They were in Vegas. Vegas. It was I'm glad legal. you kept it safe in Vegas. Exactly. Okay. This is a really quick one. The Salt Lake Stallions football team came in, came in here. A-A, I forget all the letters. A-A-F. American. Do we care that they came in here and failed? Does it matter? I know you're a huge sports fan. I mean, like, you're all over this, Jim. But, you know, I I actually like sports. You do? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I mean, and I, I, I was thinking the... <laughs> I thought you were too artsy-fartsy for that. No, no, really no, no, no. I, I mean, okay, I, good. Love a good, I love a good basketball game mostly. But uh, anyway... Gonzaga tore my heart apart. I'm but, sorry. Um, in the I thought of you in that. <laughs> but I, I was just going to say this. These women came. 
these w- football women came that were from Salt Lake and visited my office, and I was I'm all fired up to go see them play. They're I can't awesome. Remember the name yeah, of the, the team? Female, what is a professional called? team. I can't remember the name as well, but they're like. <laughs> They really are. Uh, Once you see them, you'll remember yeah, them. Yeah, you will. Like, All right. Five, Alliance, American Alliance, uh, Alliance of America Football, AAF. Uh, you know, if you, were to, if you were to make a formula of successful sports and, yeah. and a successful professional league, football is, it, NFL has a network now that's all year round. On paper, it makes all the sense in the world, but these spring professional football leagues have failed time after time after time. Uh, so, I, but I was surprised this one exited without even one season under its belt. What I tell Utahns and season ticket holders of, of uh, our stallions, uh, the father of football, rugby, we have an incredible uh, rugby, professional rugby team in the Utah Warriors. Uh, the league is a, a very popular league. Where, where do they play? They play at Zions. There's a Zions field. It's in okay. Harriman. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it is a exciting game to watch. It is in uh, rugby. Has always been popular, but it's this professional league is growing. New York, we had at least two or three large metropolitan areas that have teams this year that weren't there last year. This is the second year for this uh, professional rugby awesome. league. Awesome, but team. it's kind so, of a sissy sport, right? Oh uh, no, no, they don't wear the helmet. I don't know, they, it looks scary let me to tell me. You them, those guys are <laughs> tough, <laughs> tough, just tough. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, okay. we're telling them all that you think they're right? sissies. Okay, we're getting close to being out of time, so I'm going to give you a choice. Do we want to talk about gondolas, tolls, trains? All of that up big in Little Cottonwood Canyons, or do we want to do rapid fire on some national topics and great a few of our new elected let's save, officials? Let's save the, uh, the canyons and protect Because we can talk about that next week. week. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, right. so if we're going to grade Mitt Romney and um, Ben McAdams at this point, they've been in office for, I'd say, three months and a couple of days right now. Are we giving them two thumbs up, two thumbs down? Uh, have we heard enough from them, too much from them? Let's start with Ben McAdams. <laughs> Why'd you laugh? Well, because I... I love having the role of just criticizing all everybody because they're all Republicans. It's harder to evaluate. Thank you for articulating. I want to hear what you have to say about a Democrat colleague. It's really hard colleague. to look objective. Look, I love Ben McAdams. He's doing a terrific He's job. He's held some town halls. But, That's a win over Mia Love in the first place. I right know, there. but okay. I'm trying to think of some bad things so I'll look balanced. And, uh, you know, you just he's can't think not of a fire breathing liberal enough for me. He's just too. Yes. He's too. No. He's actually representing his district. Imagine that. That's a good thing, What's though, right? Don't we What's want the grade? You gotta get a grade. Ben, make up What's your, your mind. Are you going to represent me or are you going to represent your district? Yeah. I mean, it's one way or another. Okay, so you're giving him how many thumbs in which direction? Thumbs up, thumbs down. You no, know, I, I mean. All right, two thumbs up from, from, from Jim. What do you say of Ben McAdams right now? Look, I, I, I'm giving him a B plus, and I'll tell you why. He didn't okay. vote for Nancy Pelosi for speaker. He said he wouldn't. Stuck uh, to it. Many candidates in that in that that election cycle promised they wouldn't, and, and they, they caved. Collapsed, yeah. They all voted for. Her. He was good to his word. It was one of the big first tests walking in there. Okay. And I'm sure he suffers. I'm sure there's a consequence to that. Yeah, she's but the queen bee. But he has held to his word, and that's been impressive. And where some of these issues, you've seen a lot of. Uh, more progressive yeah. uh, rhetoric coming out of the House of Representatives right now. You have a lot of, I would argue, more radical yeah. uh, policy that's being pushed. Uh, I I think that Ben McAdams is emerging within the Democrat Congress as a voice of reason. And I think he's being heard that way. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud that he is representing not just his district, but being that voice of reason where you're hearing a lot of inflammatory speeches it's like there's a race, especially with this upcoming presidential yeah. year, who can get to the left of the other. And so 
that is, I don't think that reflects, certainly doesn't reflect Utah, but I don't even think it reflects mainstream America. When Ben McAdams is asked to speak on these issues, I think it resonates a lot closer to where people are. And right, so, so I give him, a, I would, I would give him, I would give him a B plus. I'm not doing a thumbs. I'd give him a, a B plus. A B plus. Okay, he's not hanging out with AOC, which is good for Utah, I guess. But I love her red lipstick. Let's talk about. <laughs> so do does I. that matter in politics? Uh, Mitt Romney now, Jim. Uh, there was a lot of expectations when he went in there, so I guess it's hard to go in with such big expectations. I got a whole big rant on Mitt Romney and. Greg was so kind of nice about Ben and whatever. I mean, I, let me put a, okay, let so me put a spin on it. I'm a nice guy, Jim. That's what a, I am. I'm nice. Let's put a spin on it. Look, I think what's emerging, I saw a small little thing in the New York Times the other day. Okay. That Mitt Romney is quietly meeting with other senators, both Republicans and Democrats, to craft a health care plan. The Republicans are in an impossible situation given the president's disavowal of anything but killing the Affordable yeah. Care Act. They don't have a substitute. That won't work. You can't say, trust uh, trust us, we'll come up with something like doing away with the Affordable Care yeah. Act after. They're going to have to come up with something. And I don't know of anybody on Capitol Hill, Republican or Democrat, that is more qualified he knows everything about health care. A lot of people call he him the father of Obamacare and that he had it in Massachusetts. And he also knows the yeah. Republican caucus and he knows the limitations. He would be the kind of person that could come out with a middle road health care that would preserve the good things, maybe get rid of some of the bad things. If that's true, that means he's batting a, a thousand. If it's not true, then... I can confirm it is true. I spoke to Mitt Romney, uh, Senator Romney, yesterday. He says he is working on this. He, it's a bipartisan effort. The idea is to try to keep costs low, get them lower, to keep the things that people like, making sure that if you do have pre-existing conditions, that that sticks around. So but it has to can be, you follow through? We don't but know it yet. It has to be bipartisan. It, it's too easy to succumb to screaming things out to the base on both sides now, especially somehow... Cooler heads need to prevail. People have to sit around a table and come up with a health care that is going, that, that's going to kind of move things along and make everybody grumble a little bit. Yeah, it's going to take a couple of years for that. So you obviously a supporter of President Trump. Are you looking at Mitt Romney and are disappointed in that he sort of stood up to him in some areas? Are you liking what he's doing, not doing, not standing up enough? So I, I so I asked a, then candidate uh, Mitt Romney, when is infighting a formula for success within your home, within your business, within the political arena? When so does fighting it, with your wife does when not When does work? infighting? Now, no. I, well, take it from me. <laughs> the answer to no. that is no. Uh, when does when is infighting a a formula for success? And the answer back is clear that it's not. We all have our opinions. We should state them. I was I was fundamentally disappointed uh, upon his election and. Uh, Senator-elect that he opted to have a Washington op-ed piece chastising the president and his administration, but specifically the president, for the December, where you saw the Secretary of Defense Mattis yeah. leave, his, uh, his chief of staff, uh, John Kelly, leave. I know that when you've been the Republican nominee for president uh, and you are now a U.S. senator, that you are not the, the typical junior senator from a state newly elected his voice, his platform, his experience of having been a governor. Uh, if he wants to be a problem solver, you don't have to write op-eds 
uh, at the Washington Post, you can call for, you could have a meeting. Yeah. And what I'm hoping to see from Senator Romney, and I know that the vision's there and the leadership is there, he is in such a critical and important role where he can work with this president, work with this administration to find solutions. Not complain, yeah. not to create discord, but to find solutions. And I think with that potential that he has, different than other maybe junior senators new on the job, I'd like to see more of that from our senator, uh, Senator Romney. So I would give him an incomplete. If I were doing grades, I'd do an incomplete. An with incomplete. Our, with our, uh, so with you our don't senator. want him to be a moral compass. No, I do. But I think that if you're going to, do, if you're going to have those discussions, have them in a, in a place, in a venue, and in a way where they will make a difference or the greatest difference. And I think that will be done one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, that'll be done on a personal level. That will not be done shouted through the media and across the country with people like us opining about what those things mean. I think you can be far more effective. Interpersonal personal. communication. He's dead wrong on that. He's got a um, lot of swats. You this, like to this, yell and uh, put uh, things right, in papers. I agree Senator. with the Mitt Romney that said uh, Trump has the same credibility as a degree from Trump University. And you know what? There are times when you ought to look the president in the eye and say, you're bat poop crazy. Even <laughs> if you're a Republican, because he needs I to hear that. I a version of that solution. It wasn't really what Jim just said he'd say, but I think the whole eyeball to eyeball thing is the solution. I know, and I can't offense. believe you said poop. Now we're going to have to give ourselves like a PG-13 rating. You know, will you do me yeah. a favor? Just bleep it. And oh, everybody, bleep it. Yeah. Everybody I don't think it's worse yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you want that. All right, we need another half an hour to talk about all the topics, but the good news is we can meet again next week, so thank you so much for coming in. I'm glad that Jim has gotten rid of his sexy voice, feeling I'm better. I'm actually not going to be here next week. I'm going to be true. out of town. you got to find a replacement. I know. I'll yeah. do both sides. I know. I knew. I was just about to say, do not let Jim pick the guest, okay? okay he cannot yeah. pick the guest. Okay, can we tell everybody, look, subscribe to this podcast. Really, Greg That's and right. I depend for our income on this. Okay. That's not true. That is that, not okay, true. We're, we're not, getting, a, we're not is, getting any money. We are. We're doing this because we a, love it. Uh, but I'm saying, though, this is community service. Hit the button or do whatever or share with your friends. Absolutely. So yeah. thanks for hanging out. It's fun to hang out with you gentlemen. All right, that's it for us this week. We will join you again next week when I say we, not Greg, but Jim and I will be here with a surprise guest. Have a great week.